Welcome to the Technology Lab, presented by CPA Practice Advisor, with your hosts, Randy Johnston and Brian Tankersley. G'day. Welcome to the Technology Lab. I'm Randy Johnston with my co-host, Brian Tankersley, and we're going to talk about a compliance issue that we have discovered that many firms have not met, and that is the FTC safeguards rule, which went into effect July 9th of 2023, and the supporting document of 4557. Now, as it turns out, we're going to use a lot of code numbers here with you, but most of you who've done tax are used to hearing it that way. And for me, I've traditionally started with Pub 5293. Now, the reason I like 5293 is it's a beautifully written document. It's relatively short, only about four pages long, and it refers to 4557, and it refers to the Uh, National Institute of Standards and Technology, the NIST document on security. So Brian and I realized that we thought most everybody would have had the compliance work done on this by the December 31 of 2022 deadline, but there was some misinformation that small firms didn't need to comply. And the rule of thumb is if you have a P10 number, you need to comply with 5447. So, you know, Brian, I know that you've got some background in this as well. Obviously, we've written coursework for our K2 business historically on this, and we've discovered some other courses that are good. So what do you think our tax preparer friends need to know? I think they need to, um, you know, I think they need to understand this is a serious set of regulations with serious teeth. And um, you can get in trouble not only if you have some kind of data breach, okay? Uh, you can get in trouble even if you don't have it. Uh, so what I'm going to suggest to you here is that uh, this, requires, this requires a number of things. And I'm going to quote from a JOA article um, from, from February 1st of this year by Karen Nakamura, um, the uh, the, the bit.ly link for that is bit.ly slash J-O-A-F-T-C at bit.ly slash J-O-A-F-T-C. Um, and so this kind of gives you some information in here. You know, Graham Leach-Viley has affected accounting firms for a while, but the Federal Trade Commission now has decided that they are going to be the nation's privacy czar, much like the European Union and Canada have these uh, privacy commissioners or privacy ministers in many of those countries. Um, as we look at this, though, it requires uh, you to designate a qualified individual to implement and supervise the, um, again, in the information security plan. Um, you have to conduct a risk assessment. You have to design and implement safeguards uh, to help control risks, uh, implement access controls. You also have to conduct a data inventory to identify where, where, what, what is accessing customer information and how it's stored have to encrypt customer information in transit and when stored on the system, which is a new requirement. Now, we've been recommending for years that you encrypt your local hard drives for sure and your in your server hard drives in most cases. But, um, you know, this is a um, new thing here um, that to be required to do so. Um, assess internally developed and third-party apps used to access information. And that, by the way, that includes cloud applications. And that means that you're going to have to dig in and read that privacy policy and the um, and the terms of service for your cloud applications. And in particular, I'm going to tell you that the one for QuickBooks Online, uh, the com- combined there is about 48,000 words. Okay, 
So you need to understand those things and kind of understand what the what the rules are there. Uh, multi-factor authentication, securely di- secure disposition of customer information, change management uh, protocols, log user activity, test the safeguards or monitor the safeguards, train personnel, and um, again keep this keep this current. This is a pretty healthy set of rules that we have to do. Well beyond the the basic plans that many of you set out a couple of years ago, uh, when this topic first came out uh, from from some IRS publications. Yeah. So Brian, you know the the point here is that all firms should have had a written information security plan, sometimes just called a WISP, and many plans have been created but there are requirements now specifically around the plans. Now, again, Brian and I are going to provide you uh, many bit.ly links and resources to solve this particular issue quickly. But the reason we thought it was time to put it again in a podcast was so many firms had not completed the work, which was stunning. Now, let's, let's frame it up for you because we want you to start with 5293, which gets you to 4557. Now, 5293 93 is a very simple read. It's only about four pages long. 4557 isn't much worse. You know, that particular uh, publication is only 22 pages long. So, you know, the two are written very, very well. But then it calls out the tasks that you need to do. Now, uh, a couple of pieces of guidance. First, there is a Pub 5708 that was put out in August of 2020. 2022, I'll get it out, uh, that really describes how to write the plans. And it's a gorgeous example. And there's just lots of things about 5708 I like. But I've, I, I was asked earlier this year to help create a 4557 course, which is posted at The Grove. And Brian and I also have the a bit.ly link for you on that as well. But The Grove course is a about, uh, uh, well, it, it's, it covers every topic that you need to really worry about. And it's at bit.ly slash 4557course. Now, again, uh, there's lots of people that are trying to sell plans that are canned and they're charging, you know, uh, a few hundred dollars to uh, $1,500. And I've actually looked at a number of these plans that were three and five and $700 and concluded most of them actually won't get the compliance done for you. So you need to go through the steps that are associated with this. But the last piece of teeth was the July ninth implementation of the fines and the july 9th safeguard fines uh come out to be the class of a hundred thousand dollars per firm per incident and ten thousand dollars per partner so even if you're a relatively small firm if you have a violation that's assessed a penalty a sole practitioner here could be in the hundred and ten thousand dollar class So, you know, my take when I look at those types of numbers say, yeah, it's probably worth a little bit of effort to write that. So again, the, uh, my favorite course, and by the way, there are many providers of these courses because they saw an opportunity to write something fairly consistent and reapply it over and over again is at bit.ly slash 4557 course 
on, uh, on the Grove. Now, that one is a very complete course. Uh, I did a section of the course, but there were also other uh, well-known uh, presenters on that particular topic that were included as well. So um, among them, and I think you will recognize the names of a number of these people, was Don Brolin and uh, Steve Perkins, who has been a long-term client out of Hogan Taylor in uh, Tulsa, and Andrew Lassis, who's the CEO of Tech for Accountants. Well, each of the four of us took a section in that course and tried to explain what to do. But the main point of today is you need a 4557 written information security plan desperately so you don't fall under the FTC safeguard penalties. Now, there's a lot more we can be talk about and will, but Brian, did I kind of cover the big issues here? So, Randy, you know, I, I what I would suggest to you here is that if you're looking at this and you're trying to figure out what the major publications are. There's one more publication that that we that we uh, that we didn't mention that I think is critical to this, and this is just uh, the NIST publication NISTIR seven six two one revision one small business information security the fundamentals. Okay, so you can find that from a quick Google search, but it but it's a um, it is kind of the bible for this. It is fifty four pages. And it lists out, it's put out, but now let me give you some background on NIST, okay? NIST is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. So this is a U.S. federal agency that provides standards that the U.S. federal government has to, has to comply with. However, these standards almost universally, I mean, I've had numerous conversations with pen testers, uh, people that do SOC audits, and Randy, and other K2 people, and you know, people from, from all across the spectrum. And it seems like everything that shows up in NIST within five years gets cascaded down to other businesses um, through regulation. And that's exactly what's happening here. So when you're, when you're doing this plan, um, this is really the set of standards uh, that, that you're really going to kind of be held to and that you need to think about. Uh, so there's just some, it, it's just a nice little publication uh, that you can use. But, you know, again, this is what the, you know, if you're wondering what the real, you know, if you're one of these people that digs into the code and then likes to dig into the regs and leave the PLRs, think of this as the regs associated with um, these requirements that are promulgated through here. So this gets down into brass tacks if you're wondering what you should be doing. Uh, because it's a, um, and it's really designed to help you solve that problem. So, you know, if I was, if I, you know, I, I like to print stuff out on paper and read it outside on the porch with my dogs drinking a cup of coffee. And I would suggest to you that this NIST publication and Pub 4557 and Pub 5293 would be a great topic for you when you're fresh in the morning and you want to kind of digest um what these requirements are, if you really want to get down to original sources yourself, like many of us do. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, uh, that NIST document is, again, a brilliant read, like you said, about 54 pages, but it's not trivial reading like the other pubs that I've called out. There's actually one more pub that I like to cite, which I have, in fact, all of these pubs were Brian and I are talking about, we've read kind of in the end, the, the pub 1345. Now, 1345 is for providers of tax 
uh, support and, and software and so forth. But the reason I call out 1345 is, uh, you know, this protecting taxpayer data is the law. And these online providers have to follow six uh, security and privacy standards, which include extended validation SSL certificates. They have to do an external vulnerability scan on a weekly basis. They have to follow information privacy and safeguard policies that which are certified by a third party. They have to protect against the bulk filing of fraudulent income tax returns. They have to have a public domain registration and they have to report security incidents as soon as possible. Uh, but the piece I'm not sure they can follow is not later than the next business day. Now, those six items are all in 1345 and they're kind of like your claim, Brian, on NIST trickling down. These are pretty good practices to trickle down and it leads to even uh, more with the security six. Now, many have uh, spoken about the security six, which includes having malware endpoint protection response, having firewalls, strong passwords with MFA and backing up your data and drive encryption and so forth. We've talked about those on prior uh technology labs, but there are things around mobile devices and wireless connectivity that come into play. Further, part of the reason I personally am so adamant that CPA firms subscribe to at least Microsoft 365 Business Premium is you get the advanced threat protection and data loss prevention capabilities. And the DLP data loss prevention that you can turn on inside Microsoft 365 helps with 4557 compliance. And there are 10 policies that I like to implement as DLP policies uh, in business premium. So you can hear all of a sudden this podcast where we usually focus on a single topic, which we are really, it's 4557. And you need to have a written information security plan in place to comply with the FTC safeguard rule. And you got to find a source. So if you're looking for guidance that I think is good, uh, again, the best uh, course that I've seen published is the, the Groves course, really highly rated. Again, that was at bit.ly uh, slash 4557 course. Now I can tell you our K2 team had written a course. Uh, it's probably part of the reason we were lulled into not recording this podcast sooner because Brian and I taught that course, you know, over the last 18 months or more uh, and repeatedly have taught that. Uh, and we just assumed that people were looking at the 1231 deadline and saying, yeah, okay, we've got one. We'll get, we'll get it written. And that didn't happen is the best we can learn because there was misinformation about all firms, everybody who has a P10 needing a written information security plan. So Brian, I went off on a long rant there, but you kind of get, this is, this is near and dear to the heart. It's the reason I, I put in the effort last year and this year. Uh, what else is important for our listeners to know? Well, I think it's important to note that there is some discussion at the legislative level at the, at the federal government about having some kind of privacy regulation put in place. Uh, there was actually a, uh, a group of left-leaning senators that came out with some so a press release earlier this year saying that they had caught, uh, and I'm going to put that in air quotes, they had caught Tax Act and um, uh, See, it was Tax Act and it was Tax Slayer and H&R Block 
using Google Analytics and evidently using Google Analytics and a Facebook, um, a Facebook tracking tool um, evidently could leak financial information to, um, to Facebook and Google. Now, as an aside, it, it, stri it, it strikes me as, as odd that everybody seems to get killed, get crucified for leaking data to Facebook and Google, but Google and Facebook never seem to get in trouble for being the conduit through which this data is leaked. Uh, but I, I digress here. Um, the, the point here is that it's very clear that some, some politicians are probably looking to make examples of people uh, similar to the way they made examples of these uh, tax prep firms. Um, and there may be other agendas that foot, you know, I know that these, these senators are also in favor of having IRS prepare a lot of the tax returns uh, through something to replace free file. But nonetheless, um, this is something where you don't want to be caught flat footed. Um, and, and again, the, the work that it's, that's required now that they've published a lot of the work uh, from those senators, the report that's required to make an example out of somebody is, is pretty trivial, honestly. Uh, so what I would just suggest that you need to do is just be very careful. You need to get a plan together uh, because you don't know when you're going to become the target of, um, you know, you don't know when things are going to go sideways and, and you're going you're gonna to be standing there having to explain yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I have one more piece of guidance and another IRS form to mention. Uh, one of the pieces of guidance throughout all this material is that you should monitor your EFINs and P10s. And, you know, for EFIN access, as you know, you can go into your e-services account and select the EFIN status. And what you're really watching for is you need to contact the IRS help desk if your return totals exceed the number of returns you filed. And for P10, you can access your online P10 account and view the returns filed per P10. And if you've got uh, differences in these numbers than what's expected, you're supposed to complete 14157, which is the uh, a complaint from a tax return prepared to report the excessive use or misuse of a P10. So, you know, in this particular case, the monitoring of EFINs and P10s, you're probably already doing in your firm, but it is supposed to be done on a weekly basis according to the regulations here. And what they're really trying to do is they're trying to spot data theft with these EFIN and P10 abuses. One other final thing that I was pretty adamant with my clients uh, during the past few years is to make sure that your central uh, centralized authorization file, your CAF number is up to date and that you withdraw any authorizations for uh, those who are no longer clients. So, Brian, as we're talking about all these things, there are so many little nuances. These are covered in the pubs if you just read the doggone stuff. But the problem is it feels like an onerous task. And our job here on the Technology Lab is to give you the guidance to make your, your jobs easier. And realistically, what we're asking you to do, I think, is the easiest path forward. So, Brian, other questions, comments that you, we should ask our users or ask them to ask themselves? You know, the thing I would suggest to you is that, is that it is time if you're working off of a, a home router without a, at your office, without a plan, and 
you, you don't really have, you know, you have, you're using home grade antivirus instead of business antivirus that reports to your managed service provider that somebody's had a problem. It, it's just time for it, it. The IRS is really mandating that you have to grow up from a technology perspective. You don't have to act like an enterprise where everything is controlled 15 ways to Sunday, but you have to make some steps forward. And, and so these, these give you the guidelines of what, what they want you to do. They give you the guidelines about what you have to do. Um, and uh, just trust me, having, having helped some people who have been through situations where, where their systems have failed, uh, you know, you don't want to be on the other side of this. Uh, you're going to be, you know, you, we hear a lot about people being on the wrong side of history. Uh, you know, you don't want to be a foot, you don't want your, your, your firm to be a footnote uh, in a um, in a publication about what could go wrong to accounting firms. So um, I hope you'll I hope you'll check that out. You know I think the the course at the Grove is very good. Again, it's at bit.ly/4557course. I have no interest in that course, uh, but I've seen it and it's it's good stuff. And I hope you will um, hope you will consider checking it out if you're not sure where to show. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I think back in our K2 Safeguarding Taxpayer Data course, a guide for your required security plan we wrote, you know, uh, almost two years ago. Uh, I thought it was fascinating how much focus we had around protecting data and risk. And we identified those 12 steps in IRS Pub 4557. So I think for us to close up today, 4557 ask you to do these 12 things. Take basic security steps, use security software, create strong passwords, secure wireless networks, protect stored client data, spot data theft, monitor your EFINs and PTINs, recognize phishing scams, guard against phishing emails, be safe on the internet, report data loss to the IRS and state authorities, and respond and recover from a data loss. And there are many uh, items that have to be done for you to be able to do that. So, you know, this is a big deal. And again, we should have probably recorded this as a session sooner rather than later. But when we were looking at our catalog, we realized, you know, we don't have direct 4557 guidance in the technology lab. And you, our listeners, need to know that. So we appreciate your time again today, and we hope you already have a written information security plan in, in the uh, plan done and in the can, but maybe you picked up a new idea for uh, per, perhaps, for example, applying data loss prevention uh, policies might be another example. So uh, we appreciate your time, and we look forward to having you join us on another technology lab. Thank you for sharing your time with us. We'll be back next week with a new edition of the Technology Lab, brought to you by CPA Practice Advisor.